Oh, yes. <laughs> Sunday Bloody Sunday. Come on, that's so appropriate for yesterday. Or Sunday, not at all shocking Sunday, <laughs> if you were me, and you realize that Russell Wilson was undefeated in his career against the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah, because he had a great game. He was awesome yesterday. Sunday, bored out of my mind. <laughs> How many times have we said that this Eagles season? Sunday. It's been a lot. They're not enjoyable, man. So we're going to get into uh, the Eagles, <laughs> whatever that was against the Seahawks on Sunday afternoon. And I think probably the biggest winner in the whole thing had to be NBC for flexing out of that one. Yeah, that was a really good call. By even them, even the- though San Francisco Green Bay wasn't, wasn't much <laughs> also better. Also, the 49ers trash. crushed them. Yeah. So, that so was a very good decision. Let's get into introductions. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad over Caddy Corner for me. Kevin Kincaid. Yeah, what it do. What it do, baby. Follow him on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Next to him, the bearded beauty, Big Bet Bob Wankel. Oh, man, still looking at my wounds from yesterday. It was a rough day Is it around the NFL. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was not great. No. Over to my right, the man, the myth, Mr. Happy, the legend, Anthony Sanfilippo. The Eagles are still going to win the division. <sighs> no. No. <laughs> at what cost? The Eagles are still going the, to win. You know what, man, at what I, don't, I don't have the energy for this. I'm not, I'm not feeling man, a lot I'll of juice. Yeah, later. I'm not feeling a lot of juice for the Eagles right now. You know, it's funny because when uh, I saw that Jordan Howard was going to be out again, and Alshon Jeffrey was going to be out again, and Nelson Aguilar was going to be out, and Lane Johnson was going to be out, and did I miss any of them? Maybe miss one person, but Andre Dillard was going to be playing right tackle. Uh, yeah, well, all the corresponding moves that come with it. I was sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, there's no way you can blame Carson Wentz for anything that happens, considering <laughs> considering that his wide receivers were uh, Jordan Matthews, who's no longer with the team anymore, uh, Greg Ward. Mac Hollins and uh, J.J. Arthega Whiteside. And yet Carson Wentz went out anyway and found a way to do himself no favors and to underwhelm, which is kind of crazy to think about it. Uh, it's kind of kind of crazy if you think about it. But uh, I would posit that it probably just reinforces what we talked about last week, the idea that Doug Peterson said on multiple occasions to three different quotes and two different availabilities where he said, uh, sometimes you're pressing a little too hard. You're trying to make a play where it's not there. Sometimes you're trying to, you know, essentially him saying he was trying to force it, and he dropped another quote like that today, or la- actually last night. I think is when he said it post game. But uh, that's where I'm at with Carson Wentz. I still think he's just trying too hard, well, and it's he, like it's it's spiraling out of control and everything else. Correct, and, and, and I think it's I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think it's him trying too hard. I think it's the fact that he doesn't have any talent around him. It's the fact that his you know his offensive line is a mess right now. Um, it's a fact that the the coaching is not great. Play calls are not the greatest. It's a fact that the or the, the organization wasn't put together properly. This team wasn't put together properly by the general manager. I think it's a confluence of all of those things. He's not played well in the last two games. There's and no now he stinks. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But to sit there and and to make this a an indictment of him alone as the problem with this team and this franchise at this point is insane to me and I'm so glad that there are some former athletes who have come out and you guys put posts up about this today who have come out in not necessarily to defend Carson Wentz so to speak but to basically sit there and say yo people pump the brakes look at what's going on around him and realize that there are other issues that are glaring weaknesses on this franchise with this franchise right now go ahead Bob answer for your sins since you hate Carson Wentz I don't know when it's really become this thing that I, I think he's a bad player I just think that he he needs to play better. And this idea that he's trying too hard, okay, then stop. 
Like, you can't keep doing this every week where, oh, he just wants it so bad. He's just holding on the ball a little bit too hard. He's just trying to be a little bit too fine. I mean, I, I guess that's on the coaching to an extent, but at what point does he make the adjustment? And that would be my my response to that. Well, well what can what can the coaching staff do? If the coach is going to sit there and say that he's trying too hard, then, you know, that's that's Doug, that's on Doug to figure it out. Well, one of the one of the uh, athletes and former teammates of Carson Wentz who put a tweet out today and uh, kind of explaining one of the plays that a lot of people were criticizing the quarterback for. Um, and he came out, came back with a tweet of his own, says, yeah, you know what? Maybe it wasn't on the quarterback. Maybe it was on uh, on the receiver. His former Eagles wide receiver, current uh, player agent, as a matter of fact, Bryce Treggs. Bryce, thanks for joining us here on Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Happy to be here. <laughs> well, the first thing I want to ask you is, is can, can you kind of take us through the play that you uh, identified on the tweet that you put out, um, which I believe was the fourth and two, right, to Ortega Whiteside. Yeah. yeah, can you kind of take us through that? As a receiver who's familiar with this offense, obviously, and familiar with the quarterback, what exactly took place there? Yeah, well, well, first off, I just want to say um, everybody knows on that offense that they need to play better, and they're definitely going to work every day to get those things corrected. So they hear all the all the criticism, and they're going to use that as fuel to come back in these and then and, and finish the season strong. But on that particular play, when JJ is running his shallow cross, the landmark to sit down is two yards outside of the hash. No matter what, that's a landmark. And you see when he starts to sit down, as Carson is throwing the football, he takes one more hop. And then he drifts outside a little bit, and that caused the errant throw. So there's a lot of things between the receiver and the quarterback that have to be on that same page for that play to hit. And sitting down two yards outside of the hash is one of those details. Bryce, I, I have a question for you. Um, do you attribute that more to just Ortega Whiteside's inexperience as a receiver, or do these come back to be? you know, coaching points where you say, wow, you know, the attention to detail from the staff down to the players is a little bit sloppy, or is this more on the players? I mean, we see this week in, week out where it just seems like they're off a tick. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I think it's just repetition. I think it's repetition. A natural movement as a receiver is to take that extra hop. And as you rep that shallow cross 100 times, 50 times throughout practice, then you get familiar with being definitive and sitting down and setting a clear target for a quarterback. So I just think it's repetition. I think it's it's an area where he'll he'll grow and and he'll get it fixed. Like I said, Bryce, we all saw what Carson looked like when he had Deshaun Jackson to throw to in Week One, and he really hasn't had a deep threat uh, ever since he went out. Well, he came back and he played a couple snaps, and then he went out again. You know, we make a big deal out of that uh, out of that as fans and media. You know, having a guy who can quote take the top off of a defense, but but how how much does it change things schematically when when you just lose a guy like that and you have to throw a lot of underneath stuff, rely on uh, your tight ends? You, know, you have a slot receiver, Nelson Aguilar, who's expected to go and do things he's not used to doing. How much of a big deal is it? Uh, that's a big deal. Whenever you have a guy that can stretch the defense, it just makes the windows for your underneath guys that much bigger. So when you have a guy like Deshaun taking off the top, then you have Zach Ertz in his one-on-one matchup with a strong safety, and that's a mismatch every time. Now when you compress the defense and you don't have to rely for that deep threat, now they're limited, and um, teams can sort of call out your plays. As I read a report that the, the Seahawks said their plays were being called out 
because you don't have that deep factor to really open up your playbook, it strongly, strongly hinders an offense. So is is that common? I mean, because Doug came out and he said that you know at, the, at this point in the season, a lot teams have a lot of film on every other team, you know. But I mean, when you when you're kind of pushed into forced into predictable play calling just because of the personnel situation, what being what it is, um, it just seems like that's an added complication to that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and and that I think that happens at a lot of places because defenses are so good and sometimes those guys they're just gonna guess right. You know, the defense they get paid the big bucks too. It's not like offensive players are getting all the money, you know, they pay them to make plays as well, so they're gonna be on their cues, they're gonna pick up on tendencies and stuff like that. And as you said, when you really have to shrink down your playbook, for example, when a Deshaun Jackson is out and you can't really throw the ball down the field then you can sort of call some predictable things that defenses can pick up on. Did you happen to get a chance to look at the uh, Dan Orlovsky video as well? Uh, I watched a couple plays on that, yes. yeah. And, and, I watched the uh, – go ahead. No, no, go I was, was just going to say, uh, in your thoughts, I mean, does he is, is he pretty accurate pointing out that there are other things? Like, we, you know, we talk about Carson missing the mark. You know, we're like, oh, well, he threw that short. It should have been, it should have been thrown another yard longer. But you look at the play, you know, where Greg Ward is not six yards past – uh, off the line where he should be and that's where yeah. Carson throws it right I mean it, Orlovsky's got that correct right yeah yeah he he has that correct Greg Ward is taught to, to to always be true to his depth but in Greg Ward's defense let's let's go through another scenario so if you watch on the on that clip the first down mark is maybe two yards behind where Greg Ward sat down and Greg Ward is also taught to always get two yards past the sticks when it's a, a go-get-it-depth um, kind of situation. So let's say if you have Brandon Brooks in there and Carson Wentz, instead of trying to get the ball out quick, he's more comfortable. Maybe he's hanging on that for a little bit and Greg Ward's in the right spot because he went two yards past the sticks and converted the first down. So there's a lot of things that I think went into that play because I sort of, I sort of saw Carson in the pocket hitch up a little bit and be in a rush to get the ball out of his hands and you never know if Brandon Brooks is there. Maybe he's more comfortable knowing he has his guy. So a lot of things have to go into these plays for them to be successful is what I'm trying to say. And you can't really pinpoint it on one guy. It's just going to come with repetition and getting comfortable with each other. Bryce, inevitably we always seem to get down to these arguments where it's Carson Wentz versus Nick Foles and Nick Foles versus Carson yeah. Wentz. And the fan base always seems to be just split on that naturally. You know, um, one, one of the phrases that I keep hearing is this uh, idea of throwing a catchable ball, which doesn't really sound like much on the surface, but obviously there's a lot of nuance that goes in every pass and every route that's run. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in, in your take. What, is, what does that mean, uh, throwing a catchable ball? Does it mean leading you guys? Does it mean putting the right amount of zip on it, not, not too hard? but you know fast enough that you can guys that you guys can grab it and run i'm kind of just interested in what that means throwing a catchable ball yeah, yeah throwing a catchable ball I'm, I'm going to explain it in a way that nick would always describe it to us he really took pride in having touch on his passes he said he wants the ball to get to as fast and, and have some zip on it but he wants it to hit our hands soft so if he has a time where he can put some touch on it even if it's like a slant route but we're open he's not going to try to laser it in there he really took pride on having touch on the ball and that's that's sort of what that means is sort of not always throwing the ball 60 miles per hour or trying to fit it in a tight window, but actually putting touch on the ball so it hits our hands and we can make a play on it. That's been a concern that I think I know I've I've raised there have been others that have raised as well that Carson Wentz has the ability to, to get a ball into a tight window. But my assertion has been that 
just because he can doesn't mean he should. If if you're a young wideout and you haven't had the reps and and you went into the season knowing that you were expected to to fill a, a smaller role on this team than what a lot of these guys have kind of been forced into by virtue of there being injuries to their top two receivers, do you think that at some point Carson might have to adjust the the decision making to you know where a guy like Deshaun or Alshon could bring in some of those tight window throws, some of those balls that have the you know, like the sixty mile per hour balls. That he might have to adjust the way that he goes about, you know, getting the ball to these younger guys. No, not necessarily. I don't think. I don't think that would be successful because we've seen Carson throw the ball as he's normally thrown it, and it's been extremely successful. So I think it's more of a challenge for the wide receivers to you know step up, and they're going to take that challenge. I know Coach Grow. I know Carson. He's going to get those guys on the right page because, like I said, it just comes with repetition. So week week by week, those guys are going to get that experience. They're going to correct things that weren't so good this week, and they're going to come back next week. And you'll definitely see a jump throughout these last few weeks of the season. Now, Bryce, you were there for a couple of tough weeks in the past few years when things, you know, Eagles had a bad bad week or didn't things didn't go as well as planned. What's it going to be like, you know, in you know, in the uh, video room, in the receivers room, in the coaches meetings uh, with the players? What's it going to be like this week now after back-to-back games where the offense really just didn't look right and and, and as they try to, you know, get it fixed uh going forward over yeah. the five final five games? Yeah, I think I think a lot of times when the offense doesn't perform well or things of that nature, they think that it's due to a bad week of preparation. When they go back and prepare, they're going to prepare as they've been preparing all year to the highest level that they possibly can. But this time it's just going to be a more detailed approach because they have things to – to coach on and things to spot on so like on the on the jj play they're going to go in the film room they're going to say hey jj next time sit that down be definitive and we have a first down here they're going to get that corrected so i just think it's going to be focused on details and i think that the energy in practice they're going to be the same team that they are playing loose having fun just enjoying each other's company but it's going to be definitely a detail focused week Bryce, it's always hard for us in the in the media and fans to sort of quantify or qualify the the contributions by the offensive coordinator and also also Doug is a yeah we see Doug we know Doug calls the play so it's easier to sort of evaluate him on that on that note but uh, I mean have have you seen anything different from from Doug Peterson this year as far as the the play calling or the scheme or anything like that or is, is there anything that that looks off to you compared to to what it was the last two years? Um, no, nothing seems off to me. Doug's I think I think Doug is himself. I think he's calling plays to win games as he always has done and this year there's some struggles based on some little details that they have to wrinkle out there's some inexperienced guys that are having to grow up like you said a little bit faster than they expected to and as they continue to grow throughout the season because every game is so valuable I'm telling you the the mistakes that you saw from from a couple of the receivers this week they're not going to be there in the next few weeks they're going to get those fixed so I think there needs to be a focus on that and then Doug, like I said, players are the ones who go out there and make the plays. The coaches just call them. So I think with experience, I think they'll be able to to gel together. And as Doug sees the, his his young players grow, he'll be able to call plays that are best suited for them as well. So with as everybody gets acquainted with each other, the offense will start to flow. Hey Bryce, last question, and it's more of a personal one. What's it been like for you uh, since uh, since choosing to retire and, and getting into the uh, into the aging game? How, how's that been like for you and uh, and and uh, working with uh, working with athletes from that side of the of the ball? Uh, it's been fun being on this side of it. It kind of feels like I'm in the locker room, just working on a different side of the game. 
So I'm blessed to be in this opportunity. I'm working with athletes first. We actually represent Nick Foles. So we take great pride in that. We got a Super Bowl MVP on our roster. And yeah, like I said, it's just the closest thing to being in the locker room that I could have found. I get to stay close to the game I'm passionate about. And I get to learn from, you know, people who are really good at what they do at Athletes First. And I'm just blessed for the opportunity. That's awesome. Bryce, we really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for hopping on. And uh, best of luck to you. We'll catch you down the road. No problem. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. All right. Sure. That, that's Bryce Treggs, former uh, Eagles wide receiver, now an agent. And, Interesting uh, stuff. Some good yeah. stuff there. It's, yeah. uh, you know what I, was, what I was thinking today when you saw the the various different players come out with their reactions to what was going on on the field is that typically players always defend their position. You know what I mean? Like Jamal Jackson comes out and says, this play is not on Andre Dillard. You know, yeah. He's an offensive lineman backing up his off- another offensive lineman. You know, He's talking about the play where Carson Wentz fumbled and uh, J.J. Arthega-Whiteside collided with Andre Dillard and they both fell on the ground, right? Uh, Dan Orlowski was a quarterback. So he defended the quarterback. So he defended the quarterback. Here's Bryce as a wide receiver, not exactly, not, you know, f- exactly defending the wide receiver. You know what right. I mean? So that's why, yeah. that's why I think I put... Uh, not that I put less value in what the other guys are saying, but it always it kind of intrigues me a little bit more to think. Okay, here's you would normally think of the wide receivers defaulting to you know defending the the wide receivers, but um, yeah, in that case, I mean, what can you say? You know, a rookie who hasn't played that much. Maybe if he had been on the field for a little more right. instead of just throwing him on finally now, it would have been different, but. Uh, you know, again, it's not. It's not to you know. Anytime you say that, people are like, "Well, you guys are just make, making excuses for Carson Wentz." And it's like, no. I mean, I just stick to what I've been saying from the beginning of the year. It's like more than one thing can be true at once. So let's so. stop talking about what's going on right now and project outward here. Do you think that this is something that they can fix or he can rectify in the final few weeks? The schedule obviously becomes much more manageable. They play some very I mean, they play bad teams here. Th- yeah. Through the remainder of the season, forget can they make the playoffs? I think that that's a week to week thing that we kind of have to evaluate as we go but does Carson Wentz get back on track and does he next year assuming that they give him the pieces that he lacks right now do we feel reasonably confident that he's going to be that top 10 let's say quarterback moving forward are we all confident in that I'd say I'd, I well if if your answer is yes then I think they'll be predicated upon the idea of like maybe you got to hit the bottom before you start coming back up you know whereas he was just kind of like skidding along in this like game manager kind of mentality playing okay but not great uh, enough to draw criticism for a lot of people you know maybe you do have to have a, a totally crapola game and you know hit hit rock bottom and be terrible and then maybe you turn it around from there so if you want to look at it as a positive I mean, I guess he can't play any worse than he than he played yesterday, right? So, I mean, there's really only one direction to go to go from there. I don't know. I mean, to your point, I don't. Does is is he ever going to reclaim the form that he had in 2017? I don't know. I really. I don't think know. at this yeah. point we have to start moving away from 2017. Like, I don't know that he's going to play a 14 game stretch where he is the MVP of football. They don't need him to be the MVP of football, though. That's no. That's the thing. They need him to be good. They it's need the him to be that, above average. It's the same well way that Nick average. Foles. Nick Foles was, ne- was never ever going to replicate 27 and two. You know, so people kept going back and saying like. Well, 27-2, and So, yeah, well, Six we know. Six touchdowns against the Raiders. Yeah, and I'm not talking about, like, 2017 or 2018, like, recent Nick Foles. I'm talking about, like, when he was with the the Rams and, and with the Chiefs and stuff like that. Like, obviously, it was, it was you know, you had such this, like, wonky sample size or whatever. But um, 
I, I don't know. I, I still think it's just a, a, a mishmash of everything. I think it's the receivers. I think it's the coaching. I think they could use a new offensive coordinator. I think they could use a new wide receiver coach. Just it's too hard for me to quantify. You know what specifically the quarterback is doing. My but, concern you know. starts to become: Is this going to be irreversible? Are they doing so much damage to his psyche right now that he's never going to become comfortable? Not try to do too much. Not try to force it. Or is he always going to? I, I think people have suggested that he's playing in this shadow of Nick Foles. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if he gets to the stadium in the morning and says, I feel so much additional pressure because there's these expectations on me that I can't match. I doubt it. I really don't think it's like that. But I do wonder, at what point is he going to relax? At what point is it going to be where things come a little bit more easy for him? Because right now, everything looks hard. This should have been it because theoretically he was coming into the season healthy. And you were a full year removed from Nick Foles, so yeah. But then, then again, you didn't expect everything that went wrong around him to go wrong. Yeah, around. I know. And I think that's. Yeah. I think that was the that was the train coming off the rails this season. That's what. But my but my answer though, Bob, is I, I don't think that that's the. I don't think the Nick Foles pressure is what's is what is pressure on him. I really don't. I mean, because what's the alternative for the Eagles at this point? They are, it's, they're not going to go get another quarterback. No, there is none. This right, is the this guy. Is it. This is he's which the is guy. Funny, which is funny because by the way. It wasn't just like the the old timey Facebook takes yesterday. This was it was all over Twitter as well. It was, it, it's weird when when both social media platforms agree. There were loud voices saying the Eagles need to look at drafting no. a court, at I mean, drafting at drafting a quarterback in the middle of of like the middle of the draft, say like fourth round, somebody that that could be the heir apparent while also trying to sign a veteran who can push him, which is insane. And the the idea of that just seems it's crazy nonsensical at best, Bob. Like to. To answer your question, I feel like there's not irreparable damage that's been done to Carson Wentz. Maybe with the fan base, it's gotten to the point where people are trying to throw criticism on him that they otherwise wouldn't have. So your your Carson Wentz truthers have kind of started to to find uh, maybe a couple of cracks. There's a, there's a little bit breaking away there. Um, I think Carson Wentz can rebound, but I think again it all comes back to the roster construction. So let me I mean, ask this, this: this season is an indictment on on Howie Roseman. I agree no, with no matter that. no matter how you want to look at it, and I know that I'm I'm you know the Jason Peters hater now, but like now th- this you, this always this been. offensive line has to <laughs> this offensive line has to be rebuilt. It it has to. They need to have either better backups or they need to get another veteran on this line with the cap space they have. I'm not looking at who the free agents are available on the offensive line this year, but you need to bring somebody else into this equation that can give Carson Wentz the peace of mind that his pocket's not going to break down right away. And you need to equip him with appropriate weapons that aren't a 32-year-old Deshaun Jackson who's been off to in his career. Dynamic, yes, but you have to get, like, the biggest, um, or the best thing that they can give him is players who can stay available. Well, Deshaun Jackson's going to be back next year. He's just going to have to be treated as a as a luxury item. It's going to be know, like load management, right? Like, if he works and it, it works out and he plays 12 management. to 14 games, great. But. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I wrote it out for the the column the Monday morning column that I write, but I the the blame the, the blame hierarchy if I if I had to do it uh, would go something like this: number one, it would go to Howie Roseman. Uh, number two, it would go to just the injury situation. If you want to lump the medical staff, maybe in with that again, I you know it's impossible to kind of you know determine how much they're responsible and for for and how much they aren't. But I don't know how a team gets progressively less healthy during the bye week. I've never seen a team get less healthy during the bye week. 
I'd say the receiver plays number three. I'd say 4A is coaching on the offensive side of the ball, Peterson and Grow. I'd say quarterback play is 4B. I'd say the offensive line is five. And then I, I, number six, I put like the early – uh, the early season defensive issues before they got it figured out, like when they were getting torched by Stefan Diggs and other guys. Do you, what do you make of my list? Do you like my list? I do, because I think you have the number one thing. Do you think Howie, right. would you, Bob, do you think Howie I, Roseman is number, number Is he one? the one that's chiefly responsible for what has played out? Y- yeah. And it, like, I, this I, is, I'm in agreement. And yeah. it's, it's yeah. becoming a thing in Philly sports, right? It's, it's almost every team where we've had the conversation about poor roster construction. My, I think, I don't want to. I don't want to say this and have this get taken the wrong way. There is a complacency that exists in the fan base that exists because of the Super Bowl win, which will go down as as easily one of our top sports memories of all time in our respective lifetimes. Not knowing what is to come in Philadelphia sports, Stanley Cup but, trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but their complacency from the fan base of not holding people accountable is is problematic to me and when these kind of concerns were raised weeks ago that the roster wasn't constructed well there was backlash that howie roseman was a former executive of the year he built the team that won you a super bowl that can't be the reason that you keep people on if they prove that they're unable to do the job his his drafting track record is not good does he win trades he does is his draft tra- is his draft track record exceptional? No, it's not. And if he goes through another draft this year, and we're looking at second, third, fourth, fifth round picks that aren't netting anything, then it, it does have to be a conversation that well, people well, are. Well, yeah, he just he just shipped a fourth round pick away for Jannard Avery, who's played all of I believe Brandon Lee Gowton had his fifteen snaps, fifteen snaps yeah. since he's been here. Well, and he hit a fourth round pick. How how he, well it, with Howie? It's like feast or famine, you know, if you think about it. Because in twenty seventeen, he hit on like everything. Yep, literally everything. Was there a, a move that he made in 2017 that didn't work out? I can't think of one off the top of my head, but he hit everything. Jernigan, Ajayi, Torrey Smith, whoever the hell else they signed. And then this year... Patrick he got, Robinson. Patrick Robinson. Yeah. God, right. Yeah. I mean, that was a stat. And that yeah. one, he was supposed to be a disaster. That right? was probably the number... That ended up being like the number one biggest... You know, the way he played in the playoffs was was huge, you know? Um, but this year, you know, free agent signing, Zach Brown, Andrew Sandejo, and whatever, they were all a failure, so... Let's go to the phones. Yes, uh, we have uh, Ian on the phone. Ian, you're on Crossing Broadcast. I just want to know, Kevin, did they give you the hand signal for phone call this stuff? Yeah, they actually, they actually did. Yeah, I just, I just touched him. We're making progress uh, on the radio. Show. We're moving just, up in the world. It was heavy petting. That's right. What's good, man? <laughs> we need it. Um, I just want to say, so the the Carson Wentz dilemma. I I, I will uh, come out as an admitted Carson Wentz defender. I absolutely love Carson Wentz. Um, I think he struggled. Now he's not played well. He has not helped my arguments in any way, shape, or form the last few weeks. Yeah. But um, the one thing I will say with him that uh, you talked about how that 14 game stretch uh, was so prolific, but that we need to move on from doing that and like referencing that as a as a reference point for how good he could be. Where I was trying to think, is there a quarterback that's ever had a 14 game stretch that good? And we're talking MVP level that then couldn't play in the league and three years Robert Griffin I, yeah I, that's I, the one that jumped out at me RG3 but again would, 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 was that a 14 game stretch I oh, mean was, we're talking 14 games in a row it was uh, a compilation of some I, I don't know if it was 
it was cl- I think it was close. Well, they went to the playoffs that year. Yeah, we got hurt. Um, he hurt his knee at the end of the season. At the end of the season. And so yeah, I don't. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll look it up. I don't know. It's just interesting that concept of 2017. Because yeah, what what side are you on? Do you do you say, well, you look back at that and and say, hey, we know that this is how good he can be. How do we recapture that? Or do you say, yeah, well, like, it was. It a, makes it. Yeah. Or do you say, like, it well, makes it was me a believe fluke. it's something he has to do. Like, like it's it's something not to do with him. Where it's like, here's the talent. The talent's there. And we are mismanaging whatever that talent is. Because if you can do that for 14 games in an NFL season and put yourself that high up on the rankings of quarterbacks where people are considering you one of the best in the league, that is not, it doesn't just happen to bad quarterbacks. Like, oh, I just. I just happened to do this because I had a good offensive play caller. You know, you could have the Fitzpatrick who plays really well for six games, and it's like, yeah, just a you know good run of teams. This was against some of the top defenses in the league. He was playing Seattle at the height, you know, probably towards the tail end, but still one of the best defenses there. You know, the Rams that they went against that he played all the way up until he got hurt that he was out doing. It just seems rare that you'd have that much talent displayed and then just oh yeah that was just a fluke in fairness every year it feels like there are at least two or three young quarterbacks could be first or second year who get hot there's not a lot of film on them they play it at what many would consider to be like a quasi-generational level and then they do regress to the norm now kind of to your point it usually it usually happens like eight eight or nine well, RG3, yeah. I, I got it right here. He was 15 games that for that rookie year. Uh, he played 15 games through for 3,200 yards, had 20 touchdowns and five interceptions, a 102.4 uh, rating um, as, as a quarterback. That's actually more games than I thought. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, then and, I, think, and then I think the second year is when he – I think he went for like 16 and 11 or 16, 16 and 12, 12 or 16 and 12, like yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think, I think Ian's probably the deep dive for the site that I should probably write, but I've been, been putting off. It's just to go – to go back to 2017 and just look at what Carson Wentz was doing well. It's like, hey, he was a good player. Why was he good? Why was he a good player? You know, I think we could all use a use a refresher for that. You know, so hey, Ian, thanks yeah, just, for the call. You have bud. such nice things. Yeah, 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 yeah thank right? you. Thanks right, a lot. Man. Appreciate nice it. Call. All right, uh, let's. Let's talk about some other stuff on the other side of this break. Well, you're going to be got, talking with them because I got to get to the Flyers game. That's right. You'll be joining me down there. I'll join you there for the press row show. For, for the I press row the, show uh, at first intermission. Yeah, first right? intermission. But uh, but yeah. All uh, right, everybody. Uh, if you're in your car right now, let's all wave and say bye bye to Anthony. Bye bye. I'll, I'll I'll listen in on the way down to the game. Oh, that's exciting. Do you want to call in? Call in from the car. Don't do that. <laughs> no. Don't talk on the phone and drive. All right, we'll be back on the other side with more Philly sports here on Crossing Broadcast on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Hi, I'm Russ Joy. And I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. If you're looking for the ultimate Flyers talk, there's only one place to go. The only Flyers radio show. Snow the goalie. On 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Where you can hear Russ and I go back and forth on all things Philadelphia Flyers, where we have frequent guests. Exclusive interviews. Exclusive interviews. The coach, the players, former players. Everyone you want to hear from Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m. Here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. We are back. Crossing broadcast. 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Guys, breaking news. DraftKings has launched an online sportsbook created by sports fans for sports fans. And it's now available in Pennsylvania. 
That's right, DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top-rated sportsbook app. The DraftKings Sportsbook app has it all. Overs, unders, player props, in-game betting, and special odds boosts every day for the biggest games. This isn't some offshore operation like other gambling sites. It's a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S., so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. Get in on the action wherever, whenever in the Keystone State. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. That's crossing broad, all caps. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's promo code crossing broad to get a deposit bonus of up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Big Bet Bob, hit us up. Rough weekend on the NFL side of things. Was don't, not good. Don't tell the people that. Uh, you know, listen, I got to be honest, you know, when things go well, I'm going to say, hey, things went well. When they don't go well, you just got to get right back on the horse and keep riding. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, uh, little, like little Nas X. That being said, I like to live in the moment, and I know that some of us are uh, going to hear this uh, on the podcast tomorrow morning. I don't care. This is just one more that we can kind of put on my record. We're going to go Monday Night Football. All right, let's look tonight. Got the Rams, a three-and-a-half-point home underdog against the Baltimore Ravens. Total set at 47. When things aren't going well, I like to try to hedge a little bit, so I'm going to work a little two-team six-point tease wow. into wow. things wow, tonight. We... I'm going to go Rams getting nine-and-a-half at home. I think that that is the right side tonight. I actually think they may cover the spread um, w- without the tease, without the six points, and I'll pair that with the game to go over 41 points so that's rams nine and a half at home over 41 points that's what i'm rolling with tonight and then uh tomorrow we could just see how it goes (laughs) hopefully we get back on the winning side of things people on the message boards over crossingbroad.com very very gentle uh about my weekend so i appreciated that (sighs) ross do you like that's why i do that's why he's big bet bob do you like did you like the shirt? Did you happen to see the videos from this past weekend? The green shirt? I did. Uh, like a fine shirt, right? It was a nice shirt. Why? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Why? Guys are some, some killing they, the shirt. after the shirt? They, they were taking jabs at the beard, which I think is fair game. Beard's not great. It's like a lot of different colors. There's a lot of things going on, but the shirt, I don't know. You know what's not something that people are like, eh, I don't know, that they're indifferent about? DraftKings Sportsbook. They're all in on it. It's America's top-rated draft, or uh, top-rated sportsbook. Must yeah. be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Bob, I did like the beard. The beard is a good look. The shirt today, solid look. Almost matching producer Ryan Lennox behind the glass, who I will obviously forget to thank for his hard work this hour. So I'll do it now. So what do we uh, make of? I got a couple more Eagles notes that we can wrap up here. Then, uh, then we can wrap up here. Uh, Jordan Matthews no longer on the team. Do we have thoughts on that? Pour one out. Yeah. How does a guy lead the team in snaps played from skill position standpoint, and then he's not on the team a day later? How many catches did he have yesterday? Three on six targets, I think, for twenty-seven yards. Well, there's your answer right there. I mean, it's just amazing <laughs> that that's where they're at. Like, I know, now, I did, know. did Doug walk in? I'm always curious about the process of things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So does Doug walk in and, and have a meeting with Howie this morning and say, "Hey, listen, we it's not working. We got to get him out of here." <laughs> or does Howie's talent evaluator say, "Hey, Doug, I know you liked him. You had him on the field for seventy plus plays yesterday. Yeah, he's got to go." Well, that's a good question. Yeah, is Jordan Matthews a Doug guy or a Howie guy? Or uh, I'm sorry, I guess I should say, is Doug Peterson the Jordan Matthews guy? Or is Howie Roseman the Jordan Matthews guy? I get, you know, I guess they just think that 
They're going to get Alshon and Nelly back. Uh, they, I guess they liked what they saw in Greg Ward. Yeah, I liked what I saw in Greg Ward as well. Uh, maybe that's just as I believe much he was anything. the 11th highest rated receiver by Pro Football Focus this week. Yeah, I think he had six, uh, trying to remember it off the top of my head, six catches on seven targets for 40 yards. Uh, they ran that little underhand that underhand toss to him, the jet sweep underhand toss. It's the most accurate pass I saw all day. That's right. Yeah, I think uh, you know <laughs> when, when, at, uh, at West Virginia in 2012, I think Geno Smith racked up like 300 yards passing on just his little underhand. Was that Steve <laughs> Slayton? Who, who was that going <laughs> no, to? Nah, a, was it Tavon, Tavon, uh, Austin. Was Tavon Austin? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah a little the, bit uh, before Dallas, that, uh, Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, but that counts as a pass. But he took that and he ran for nine yards with it. You know, so why the heck not? I mean. Obviously, you trust the guy if you're going to give him that play, and it's fun as in his first game with you. Well, obviously this offense needs a little creativity, and if nothing else, <laughs> Greg Ward brings some element. I don't know what that element exactly is. I don't know if I would call it explosive. It's just, well, but, but he does different. at least bring a, a different just element. Give me any, anything different. Yeah. yeah, give me anything because different. Because Ortega Whiteside's not going horizontal. No. Right? Like, there's no horizontal motion with him. Did Matt Collins play what, what was his snap count yesterday? Because I don't remember seeing I, him I can, out there. I can oh, get did that he, for he, didn't catch a, he didn't catch a ball because I saw the statistics going around like Dennis Kelly. Uh, the yeah, <laughs> Dennis Kelly, former <laughs> backup tackle, scored a touchdown yesterday. Okay, let's do a stupid, yeah. let's do a stupid uh, exercise here on the program. Uh, really yeah. an exercise? We always like to do an exercise. Uh, Dennis Kelly has more uh, receptions this year. <laughs> he has more receiving touchdowns. He has more touchdowns uh, this year than Mac Collins, J.J. Ortega Whiteside, and uh, there's somebody else combined. Uh, you well, know, believe it or not, Matt Collins only played four snaps really? yesterday, five percent of the snaps. So comes again, he'd rather play yeah, special teams yeah. anyway. So but listen, not man, I, I mean, I don't, I don't buy the. Well, he's good at special teams, and we like him on special teams, and that's where his value is, dude. You can find anybody to do that. You can find anybody to do that. Pick a guy off the street. You know, you can you can find a cheap special team. You know, I, I think it's important with the Miami Dolphins looming then. next week. We should be more positive. The Dallas Cowboys <laughs> stink. I mean, you watch that game. Lennox, re-rack the intro. Yeah. We're going positive. <laughs> yeah, we're going positive here. The Dallas Cowboys yesterday, if we watch that game, you saw again how limited they are. You know, for all the weapons that they have, yeah. Amari Cooper, no catches. Ezekiel Elliott, completely ordinary game. That Patriots defense clamped down on Dallas. What's supposedly an explosive Dallas offense. Yeah. At full strength, did essentially what the Eagles did the week prior. Crappy weather too. They you can't put separate. They can't separate. Now I, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because yesterday the Eagles were celebrating while down fourteen, and I think in Miami they'll be celebrating while up fourteen. <laughs> Here we go. Oh yes, <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. Let's go. Positelfia. Positelfia, Miami. Always. So here, I, I think you asked earlier, it was about Carson Wentz, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to do it, but I kind of feel like next week we're going to have to uh, dub in a little bit of uh, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Carson Wentz, the man who crawled through 500 yards of poop and came out on the other end clean. Do you have uh, 300 yards for Carson next Sunday? Did think, you know that 41 of his 45 passes yesterday were within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage? You talk about what? having the inability to take the top off of a defense. 
four passes attempted traveled more than 15 yards beyond the line of scrimmage yesterday. Find the middle of the defense. Oh God. <laughs> it's insane. It's oh. absolutely insane. And by the way, he had the higher QBR yesterday than Russell Wilson. You want to talk about being positive. Again, you have to go back to this defense. I know that they, they stepped up against Buffalo, against Chicago, uh, played well against New England. All right, that's great. Yesterday, they took what was one of the NFL's best offenses against Arguably, for my money, the guy that was leading the MVP race, maybe aside from Lamar Jackson, Mm. and they took him apart yesterday. I mean, Russell Wilson was horrible. It was his worst game of the season, and it wasn't even close. uh, Yeah, they missed a wide-open touchdown in the end zone. They Uh, did. They dropped another touchdown. And they became the first team in NFL history. At least we didn't have to deal deal with that uh, storyline, you know, the added pain from from that, you know. Um, That they drafted Arthur. They go white side what else did they account. do? They fumbled the ball on two straight uh, plays, one that they just fell on. Well, that was you know what was even the most ridiculous thing about the celebration while down fourteen is that the defense didn't even force the fumble. Yeah, it was it was, it was a bad. It was a bad. You were there. Handoff. Happy yeah, said though. I mean, he only had two hundred yards oh. passing. They had yeah. six sacks. I mean, I I'm not. I'm not the, telling you defense, here come the Philadelphia Eagles, but that was encouraging. It was a trick play. I mean, two weeks in a yeah. row, it was a trick play that got him in whatever. Yeah. But I mean, you could if you wanted to make if 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 they won this game or the defense had not played well we probably would be talking more about the two trick plays that they got cooked on but otherwise man i don't know i just that's i just found it funny that they ran all the way down to the to the opposite end so it was a, it's a, a borked exchange i mean come on do you see what just, happened in the redskins game yeah that's another read the room kind of where, where he he runs he runs and takes a selfie with a fan and misses the final play of the game. They had put Case Keenum in. He's a, he's a young kid. He's excited. It's yeah. shades of Marco Fabian taking a selfie. Never mind. <laughs> 22-year-old kid. He won a football game. Go. Well, union what reference for hear, Kinker well, over I would there. like Doug Peterson to come out and, and channel Jim Fossil and say, I'm raising the stakes right now. <laughs> this is a poker game. I'm shoving my chips right in the middle of that the is, uh That's not worked out too well. That's what he did before the Dallas game, essentially. That didn't... I'm raising the ante. <laughs> Anybody wants out, get out. All right? <laughs> the way that you deliver these lines is like the most I- sadly monotone. <laughs> well, that's why it's appropriately sad, because uh, the Eagles ain't going... Just like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Wolf of Wall Street, do you know where the Eagles are going? This season, where they ain't going nowhere. I was gonna say, oh, the I, Eagles, I was gonna say, the Eagles are gonna go like Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> in Titanic, uh, uh, yeah, straight to the bottom. Yeah, I, I ain't said, going nowhere. I, I want to talk about Brandon Bo- Brooks, Fair. but before we do that, okay. all right, I just want to go through. You're saying they're going nowhere, so let's play the game. Let's okay, do this. Okay. Let's right. do this to ourselves. Stop. If the Eagles win out the last five games <laughs> of the season, because they've certainly proven that they are consistent, if nothing else, <laughs> I can't even get through this. Where do they trip up here? They, they go down to Miami and they win on Sunday, right? Are we Giants. all in agreement? They are we all, are we really going to do this? Are we going to go? I don't Miami's know. Miami's a good team. No, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Stop. Uh, is it the Giants at home the following the, week? Like, how yeah. much longer do we have to play this game? Is it going to be the Cowboys at Lincoln Financial on on the 22nd? 
Is that how much longer we're going to do this for? Yeah, uh, yeah. But I could, I could see them slip. I could see them losing at New York. You know, that's, just, well, that's the, the last, final last game, game of the last year. Game of the season. No. Oh have, my God! Could you imagine if they they beat have another Dallas, turd? They have another beat, turd. Beat in Dallas and yeah. then end up <laughs> missing out. The Giants oh, are the I wouldn't final put, game I wouldn't of the season. Put it past this team. I would not put it past oh. this team. Well, Dallas has so Dallas has to play home to Buffalo at Chicago, home to the Rams at the Eagles, and then home to the Redskins. But that's all. That's if if the Eagles win out. Now the Eagles could could. Theoretically, lose Go, yeah. another game if yeah. Dallas tripped up to say Buffalo yeah. or the Rams. I think are the, the Rams, two most yeah. likely possibilities. Yeah, what, I don't know, man. Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, Let's yeah. buy some Mitch yeah. stock. Yeah, I can't believe I'm doing this, but we're, it, it would still go to third. Uh, I mean, it would still go to third tiebreaker, right? Yeah, because they both be fi- they both be five and one. They be one and one against each other. Five and one in the division. Uh, then it would go to the co- to the common opponents, and is Dallas- that with an extra loss in there, or because it is? Uh, if the Eagles win out, they're in. That is the scenario. Right, right, right. But yeah, if they, if they if if it was both a if it was ten uh, ten and six, if both those teams finished ten and six and went one and one against each other, they'd be five and one against Washington, and you know, including yeah. Washington, New York. So I think. The common opponents: Dallas lost to New England. It's the they Jets. Lost to the Jets. That Jets game might be the might actually be the killer if it would come. Can you imagine it coming down? The to Eagles that? got into the playoffs <laughs> because they beat the, the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with Luke okay. Falk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I just where I just are you on the day that uh, the that Eagles would mean beat Sam Sam Darnold was it his spleen? Yeah, it was a spleen, yeah. right? Yeah. That would yeah. be like, the MVP yeah. of the season. The yeah. All right, season. let me let me throw this to you too because this has been a conversation I've had with with people for. The last 24 or so hours. Can't wait. (laughs) Mm. I would usually lean towards, I like the draft pick, because I don't think this team has any shot in the playoffs, right? But Howie Roseman's so bad at drafting that I almost feel like it negates the entire idea (laughs) of, like, what if you go two and three down down the stretch? Is there any legitimate benefit to this team being competitive to the final the final week? You know, let let's say it comes down to that Giants game. Is there really any added benefit of them going and, and probably getting smoked in the first round versus just having a clean, you know, wipe your hands of it, week 17 is over and we're done? Well, it's an interesting question. I think that the answer is obvious. Yes, there's a benefit because you have a quarterback, whether he's a franchise quarterback or whatever you want to term him, he needs to get postseason experience now maybe they don't win the entire thing but to at least just have that playoff experience under your belt moving forward I think is is huge so yeah I want to see Carson Wentz in the playoffs and if they get into the postseason unlike last year they're going to play a game at home now I don't know who that it'll be the sixth seed for sure I don't know who the sixth seed will be it's probably going to be I guess one of the teams from the West is or the Vikings Uh, I guess what we're looking at is probably either Seattle or San Francisco, the Seattle, San Fran, and then you have the Vikings up. coming out of the uh, the North. So I think it'll yeah. probably be one of those two teams. Can the Eagles beat either of those teams at home if they're healthy? If they have Jordan Howard, if they have Alshon Jeffrey, if they have Nelson Aguilar, I, I don't know. Again, like I'm not expecting an, a deep playoff run here, but yeah, to have five weeks where the Eagles would theoretically string together five straight wins get some positive vibes positive energy about this team yeah i think that would be good i I don't see a downside in that yeah you would have uh right the nfc east champion is the four seed uh, and then well you'd have the seat yeah the seahawks are the vikings right now Um, and think about it as as hard as it is to imagine this if they were to win five straight games 
you're telling me people in this city wouldn't talk okay. themselves into the possibility well, of going yeah, on a yeah, run? Yeah. I mean, you're going into the playoffs red hot yeah. in this scenario. Well, they would, and they would, you know, and and uh, we, we mentioned this last week, but you know, even even if somehow, like, like, even if the Niners stumbled or something like that, and you got uh, you know an inexperienced team the way that you did with Chicago last year, where they just did not you know have any playoff experience, this is like new territory for them. You take that too, you know. I, I wouldn't want any part of of the Vikings or the Seahawks. I think I, I do I think not, however, push. see a scenario in which they exist beyond the, the opening round, round yeah. of the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think that this is destined no, but for you, a but miraculous just getting, God, I mean, well, just getting Carson Wentz finally a playoff game. I mean, just, just for that alone. You know, because I mean, people always have that one in their their back pocket. You know, how do you even know what the hell he is in the playoffs? He never played a playoff game. And, and so, yeah, that's you know, that's, and that's, that kind of goes back itself. to that game before yeah. Christmas. You you have a four twenty five nationally televised game. Your season's on the line. That means the Eagles won that game. He yeah. finally conquers the Cowboys, which has been difficult for him, other than that meaningless Week 17 game back during the 2016 season, and they yeah. roughed him up in 2017 uh, at Dallas on Sunday Night Football. But mm-hmm. other than that, Dak Prescott's had the advantage in the head-to-head matchup. Yeah, what that would mean is for the next five weeks, they're playing good football, kind of turn this thing around, headed into the offseason. I think that uh, that would certainly be a positive. I have a, a Charles Davis note. Um I think he does a good job on the broadcast. Uh, I, I like at least how he tries to provide context to Carson Wentz's struggles beyond just saying, "Well, that pass sucked," you know, because that's what you get on Twitter, right? This guy sucks. That sucked. Well, he blah, missed blah, him blah. in the old onion basket. That's kind of stuff too. Yeah. Um, but does it feel? Does it feel to you like Charles Davis does about like seventy-five percent of the talking when yep. him and Burkhard are in that? Yeah, it's just like so un- unbalanced. Woman. I don't. I don't. Feel, I feel like Burkhard doesn't even need to be there sometimes, right? Like the color commentary, th- I think if you did like a, you know, a, if if you took the temperature of the room and said, how much talking do you think the color commentator should typically do, versus the play-by-play guy, I mean, we play we'd probably like a fifty-fifty, right? Or maybe like a fifty sixty forty. So like, yeah, six, sixty. Well, who's the sixty and who's the forty? I think the play-by-play guy. I actually. I think I kind of lean inverse. Really? Because then I guess you spend, because, because, you, get more because value you spend out you spend so much more time yeah. in the replays, yeah. and the play by or the uh, color commentator's yeah, role is really to, to break down the film. So I would think that feels like if it was should. like you know they do those stupid graphics on CNN or MSNBC or whatever after the debates, it's like this is how much time this candidate got to talk, and this is how much time this candidate got to talk. Charles Davis would would be like number one on the top there. He's a guy that that feels the need to say something. He would be placed the on the center podium, like right next to his <laughs> rival, yeah, polling at the top. So we had a few other Eagles topics. This is this is part of the problem with our one hour constriction. Yeah, here our we time, go. Our time constraints here on six ten ESPN. Hopefully the. Uh, the big wigs are listening. We'll expand the uh, the time slot a little bit. That's a good way uh, to get, get so, on the good side. So <laughs> we love them, and they're fantastic, and they're great uh, to us. Two hours of you is more than enough. Trust me. Thank you. Oh, you're so hurtful back You were saying. With your flannel shirt. Um, the Brandon Brooks anxiety news that came out. Bob, I think you did a really nice job over on CrossingBroad.com. Breaking this down, a little personal anecdote in there. Uh Give us like 60 seconds or so. Uh, the 60 second version of it is, is it's a terrible thing. You know, I feel for the guy. It's a, a bad situation, something that he had had under control. Uh, he missed two games during the 2016 season with it. It definitely manifested itself again yesterday. He went out with an illness. I think that everybody that 
was watching the game, kind of made a, a pretty quick connection to the possibility that it could have been anxiety-related. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a terrible thing that the guy is in that position, and it's something that he's still dealing with, but that's kind of what anxiety is. It's not something that you just simply conquer or master. And, you know, you can be winning the battle and still have these relapses from time to time. I would hope, and it seems like a lot of fans have been pretty supportive, but you do see the takes out there that are like, this guy's getting paid $30 million between now and 2024, guaranteed, figure it out. Or like, I would love to be nervous about that. It's, it's not that simple. And yeah. it's, I, I, I appreciate what Brandon Brooks did, comes out, says, you know, today uh, on Twitter, he has his little note explaining what happened. He does not owe us that explanation, but he, he gave it to us anyway. And I think that it's really big helping people understand that this is real. It's a thing. And the more we communicate and talk about it, the, the less likely or, or the better off we're going to be in terms of kind of ending the stigma around this type of stuff. He's, well, and he's, he's already like the, the NFL face of it, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the NBA, we've, we've seen yeah. it on the NBA side with quite a few players, mm-hmm. but I think he's the only one of, of real note in the NFL to, to address That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anybody's kind of going to turn the tide, I guess, on the, the, the stigma of mental health in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Brooks, I think you would say is the most high profile case. I mean, the, you know, the fact too, that, uh, it's not just that he overcame that. It's that he overcame it in a quite a way and won a Super Bowl and went to the Pro Bowl and then went to another Pro Bowl and then got a contract extension. You know, so yeah. I, I he, went above, he went above and oh, beyond. Oh, by the way, that. it yeah, also yeah, overcame yeah. a heck of well, he overcame the Achilles injury. And, yeah, yeah, and, the Achilles yeah, I mean, pretty, 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 pretty much record time. Pretty much record toughness to overcome After an Achilles <laughs> injury and be an All Pro player. I know that's why On the that's, offensive yeah. line. That's what makes that, that take yeah, look, yeah. Su- look super yeah, corny. Yeah, he's soft. Brandon Brooks is soft. Get out of right, here, right? Because you're gonna do, you're gonna do, you're gonna poo poo the mental health thing, and then you're gonna call the guy soft. The same guy who rehabbed from an Achilles in eight, eight months, months and then was yeah. back on the field. You yeah. know, so I, yeah, and and the, and the good thing too is like, you know, you, there's proof already that the guy has over has overcome it and been able to control it in recent history so uh you know why not again other other small note the andre dillard thing how did you guys feel about dillard being put in at right tackle versus having jason peters slide over there peters came out after the game and said that in theory he he could have done it and that maybe he should have offered it. I don't think, I mean, honestly, I don't think they had any really good option. You know, I mean, Peters is 37 years old. Big V, we know what he is at right tackle. You know, Andre Dillard's, yeah, probably best on the left. But, I mean, when you look at the situation, I mean, Peters, Dillard, and Big V are all better at left tackle. Lane Johnson's really the only guy you have who's, like, super comfortable at right tackle. I mean, I guess in hindsight, you said you could probably put Peters over on the right, but I don't know. My thing with that is he's had injury issues let's not take him out of the comfort zone at this point. Like, is Jason Peters yeah. young enough and flexible enough to say, hey, by the way, we just saw how hard it is to switch from left tackle to right tackle. Now we're going to ask a 37-year-old guy to do it. Yeah, I, that's true. I don't know. I, think I just that's don't tough. understand. The thing that, that boggled my mind with Doug and the play calling was that they, they, after they had the, the switch over there, and this was at halftime when they pulled Dillard, they had Pryor in and they had Big V on the right side. The fumble on the mesh ex- mesh point exchange that they had, okay, whatever, you know, maybe you have a miscommunication or it's messed up or whatever. And they have the, the tight end screen that got blown up. They ran both of those to the side where the two backup linemen were in. You know, and it's like, I know that they don't, they just had this thing about not really, they just run the plays, you know, personnel be damned, you know, because I guess, you know, it's nice that they trust everybody. But still, I mean, if you know you got two backup linemen on the right side, don't run a delayed, like, counter draw, whatever the heck it was. Which is interesting because a lot of people were pining for them to move the pocket yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, Let's roll out Carson Wentz. Where are we rolling him out to? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know. Yeah, yeah, the whole idea here, if you're going to roll him out to the right to his, his throwing side, his, or his strong side. side, you're going to roll him out to the strong side where you got two backups over there. Yeah, you know, I, you I just don't know how schematically that works. I know, I know. It's, a, it's another layer. So. Let's continue a few quick hits. Uh, Bob, 
Brad Lidge went on MLB radio and said that he expects the Phillies to spend sick money or make a sick money offer to Garrett Cole. Do you think it's realistic? I think that the Phillies will make a sick money offer to Garrett Cole. I don't expect the Phillies to sign Garrett Cole. What do you think sick money looks like? Uh, to be competitive, that, knowing that, that there might be an eye towards the West Coast. Yeah, I think that he's going to be a, a seven million, uh, a seven-year, $260 million, $270 million player this offseason. If you have the Yankees who are desperate, who apparently are desperate to get him as well, I mean, you have the, the East Coast thing working against you, and then you have another huge market working against you. I, I just don't see it, but, you know. Would you rather have sick money or stupid money? I think I'd rather have stupid money. Yeah, because yeah. sick kind of... Uh, Suggests that it's sick, bro. Yes, I think they're just trying to speak his language. Sick. Um, The Sixers absolutely stomped Jimmy Butler over the weekend. We might have to do some kind of a Sixers exclusive pod at some point. Yeah, just a little quick rundown. Maybe a bonus, a bonus podcast uh, later in the week over on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or else your podcast for the listeners. Uh, Let's get to the Mount Rushmore. We have four minutes, Kevin. Oh, we got a Mount. Yeah, I did do a Mount Rushmore. Okay, I'm going to give you my Mount Rushmore of stores. Three minutes that are no longer at the Coventry Mall, and this could apply to really any mall because the shopping mall is kind of uh, you know gone kaput these days. I'm sure if you grew up in this region, you know a mall. That's probably you know went to turn to crap. The Echelon you know. Mall. Yeah, th- that's rest been, in yeah. peace. Granite, Google Mall in Frackville, Pennsylvania. What it should have been the Mount Rushmore should have been malls that have closed yeah. in this region. Because you know? I could have given you Granite Run. We should have done this co- next week as we get closer to the Chris Mahanaquanzica season. Yeah, maybe we'll save it for that time. All right, All so, right, so let's talk then. Let's save the stores and the Coventry Mall thing. Let's save it for oh, next week. Okay. Let's right, talk right. about the Mount Rushmore of your Thanksgiving plate. Oh, I don't like Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving is overrated. Jeez. What? Wow. Yeah, it's all really boring. Turkey's boring. Stuffing's boring. Yeah, I kind of agree on turkey. I'll give you that. Mashed potatoes is boring. Have you ever fried a turkey? It's actually really very overrated. It's a very overrated (laughs) food. I've been writing up posts over on crossingbroad.com all about cinch. People uh, swear by the fried turkey. Yeah. The fried turkey is a great thing as long as you do it safely, which includes thawing out your turkey and patting it dry. I'm a stuffing, like stuffing all day. Stuffing I've only grown an appreciation for in recent years. Cranberry sauce, not the can, but if you do your own cranberry sauce, there are so many different variations of that you, that you can do to, yeah. to cut cranberry some of the fat with the though. acidity. Yeah. You've got it. You you have to do some pancetta, some pancetta. Do you, Kevin? Do you uh, do seared, the Thanksgiving do I Brussels look, sprouts? Do dinner? I look like I would do pancetta Brussels sprouts for Thanksgiving? Do you do Thanksgiving dinner? Uh, yeah, I don't. Do, I mean, like, my do you mother-in-law. Do you your mother-in-law does okay. <laughs> and it's good. I mean, I just don't think everybody talks about well Thanksgiving dinner, Thanksgiving dinner. It's like it's okay. It's good. I don't think it's the worthy of any more any more than Thanksgiving that. is the best holiday. And there's a reason for well, it. Well, I, I think I would I would I like Thanksgiving because it is uh, what would you say it's non uh, it's non-denominational or I'm sorry it's not it's not yeah that, uh, I mean well, yeah that would and work it's, too right and it's because, also uh, it's a very low pressure yeah it's the meal and that's it and family uh, and you say what you're thankful for and there's no other there's no gifts yeah. there's no expectation of no of, of having oh. to meet those kind of gift there's benchmarks no yeah I've had Christmas decorations up in my house since November 10th your uncle's probably not going to talk politics during Thanksgiving dinner you know if, if we're lucky um, I'm going to be making some halupkis. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good. I like the holiday. You're a pumpkin pie guy. Yeah, I'll, I'll give uh, top, top three pies. Go, top three uh, pies for Thanksgiving. Pumpkin, apple, and uh, f- uh, pecan. Yeah, that's fine. I'm all pumpkin. I'm all pumpkin <laughs> yeah. all day. What yeah, about the whipped cream? What about the whipped uh, cream? What about a pe- side of what about vanilla a, ice cream? What about a pecan mm. topping on your pumpkin I don't pie? Know. Yeah, sure. I've never done that. Maybe we'll get wild this uh, nah, Thursday bro. Nah, after. Bro. Uh, 
What is that? Some Schuylkill County? Wow. Hey, nonsense. No, that's just hurtful. We got a little kielbasa. You guys get a sheets for Thanksgiving up there? Oh, come on. I'm not making that drive. <laughs> We're hosting this year. Anyway, thanks for listening. We will be back next week with Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Radio. Thank you to Ryan Lennox behind the glass. Follow us over on Twitter. Read everything on crossingbroad.com. We'll talk to you next week.